Amy Coney Barrett delivers her opening remarks at her nomination hearing, cancel culture heightens as millions of Americans celebrate Columbus Day, and Governor Whitmore refuses to give a deadline for when the votes will be due in her state. I'm Jonathan Hewitt, and this is the Conservative Voice Show. All right, everyone. So a lot happened over the weekend. Some of it matters, but a lot of it doesn't really matter that much at all. So to start off with, um, I think America needs a realignment. Back to its roots, what true American values are. To do this, we have to take a trip back in history to the year 1788. The start of our country yielded many founding documents, but I don't think that any of them are as important as the Federalist Papers. For those of you who do not know, the Federalist Papers were written by Alexander Alexander Hamilton, James Madison, and John Jay. They were ads in a newspaper that can pretty much be summed up as 85 essays that explain the framework of the Constitution, why it was built, what their intentions are, and what the threats to the Republic are. So, from today on, every day, for the next 85 days, I'm going to cover one of the Federalist Essays, some key points to it, and how I think it's applicable to today. So, Federalist 1 was written by Alexander Hamilton and serves as the introduction to the Federalist Papers. He introduces the idea of the Constitution and puts all of it in a context that will be needed going further. So, in the first paragraph... Hamilton poses probably one of the most serious serious questions of the era, one that is still true to today and is one that will forever be asked. He has quoted, It has frequently remarked that it seems to have been reserved to the people of this country by their conduct and example to decide the important question whether societies of men are really capable or not of establishing good government from reflection and choice, or whether they are forever destined to depend for their political constitutions on accident and force. This asks that question, can men govern men without the fear of corruption and perversion taking over? Are we as a society and as humans able to effectuate a effective government to govern ourselves without any side of, with any accident or force being used. After 200 years plus of our society, I think that we have proven that as a collective, we're able to choose those who govern us by elections. And our political constitution, our political constructs and the foundation are not accidental or forced by God, but are a framework on how government should operate. A little later in the same essay, Um, He's quoted again, stating, An enlightened zeal for the energy and efficiency of government will be stigmatized as the offspring of a temper-fond, despotic power and hostile to the principles of liberty, an over-scrupulous jealousy of danger to the rights of the people, which is more commonly the fault of the head than that of the heart, will be represented as mere pretense and artifice. The stale bait for popularity at the expense of public good. It will be forgotten, on the one hand, that the jealousy is the un- is the usual concomitant of love, and that the noble enthusiasm of liberty is absolutely infected with a spirit of narrow and illiberal distrust. On the other hand, 
it will be equally forgotten that the vigor of the government is essential to the security of liberty, that in the contemplation of a sound and well-informed judgment, their interests can never be separated, and that a dangerous ambition more often lurks behind this specious mask of zeal for the rights of the people than under the forbidden appearance of zeal for the firmness and efficiency of government. So Hamilton recognized that there were going to be threats to the new constitution and to the American people. The last line in this excerpt is so true today, and that a dangerous ambition more often lurks behind this specious mask of zeal for the rights of the people than under the forbidden appearance of zeal for the firmness and efficiency of government. So those on the left are always talking about the abundance of rights for the people with disregard to the efficiency of government and that it is the government's job to effectuate, to effectuate these rights. Ambition is a word we will hear a lot as we go through these Federalist Papers. They recognize that the ambitions of men to become corrupt and greedy was a direct threat to the Republic. Ilhan Omar, AOC, Nancy Pelosi always talk about things like reproductive rights. The rights of the government should provide free health care to all, saying that because health care is a right. However, these rights are the dangerous ambitions for power that Hamilton speaks about. He ends the text, quoting, then under the forbidden appearance of zeal for the firmness and efficiency of government. So to understand that, we got to go back to remembering that the new constitution came after the Articles of Confederation, which were very inefficient in running the government. So that more often the talks of an efficient government, one of firmness, fairness, and with minimal involvement into its citizens' life is frowned upon. However, the dangerous ambition for power and rule are less likely to be present in those individuals, the ones who speak of firmness, fairness, efficiency of government. Too often, when people want to talk about America, they, spoke, they speak of the Bill of Rights and the Declaration of Independence, but not often enough are the Federalist Papers spoken about. This is the one place where we can get a first-hand knowledge of the Founding Fathers' intention for the country and why the structural, constitu structural constitution is written the way that it is. Okay, so that is just a brief synopsis and kind of the framework of the first or of Federalist One, it goes on after that, just stating the reasons why they need it and providing an introduction to the Federalist Papers that will come later. Okay, so on to the news. We will get into the big news of today, which is Amy Coney Barrett's hearing and her opening statements. But first, over the weekend, the cancel culture in America soared through the roof. How dare we celebrate Columbus Day? Columbus was a murderous, raving lunatic that should not be attributed to anything in American history. A call that Columbus Day should be ditched for, in turn, a holiday known as Indigenous Peoples Day. Did Columbus murder thousands of natives? Yes. However, he was still the reason that Europe, Europeans located the Americas and ultimately made it to where the Mayflower could one day land on the east coast of modern-day America, which led to the original colonies, the development of our nation, and the construction of Western democracy as we know it today. But 
this does not stop the social justice warriors who are still trying to burn entire, our entire government to the ground. Reported by the Associated Press, protesters overturned statues of former President Theodore Roosevelt and Abraham Lincoln in Portland, Oregon on Sunday night in a declaration of rage towards Columbus Day. Protest, or, protest organizers dubbed the event Indigenous People's Day of Rage in response to Monday's federal holiday named after 15th century Italian explorer Christopher Columbus, a polarizing figure who Native Americans advocate have spurred centuries of genocide against indigenous populations in the Americas. The group threw chains around Roosevelt's statue, officially titled Theodore Roosevelt, Rough Rider. They threw red paint on the monument and began using blowtorch began using a blowtorch on the statue's base, news outlets reported. The crowd pulled down the statue just before 9 p.m. The group later turned their attention toward Lincoln's statue, pulling it down about eight minutes later. Because yes, Abraham Lincoln, the president that delivered the Emancipation Proclamation, the president who stated that all people have equal rights and should have equal rights, is an overt racist and his statue should be torn down because people are, are outraged about Columbus Day. The rioters apparently were upset because Lincoln hung 38 people that clashed with American settlers in Dakota. He was the president of the United States. He was the president whose sole job is to carry out the executive branch and provide for the commonwealth of his people. He was protecting his people. At what point are these Democratic mayors going to bring their cities back into law and order? How long are they going to allow them to burn their cities to the ground and riot and loot? Want to know why Trump is going to win the election? Because the American people are sick and tired of seeing their values spit, their values spit on and degraded by people on the left. Americans are tired of being locked down for no reason and tired of the excessive violence that is taking place in their inner cities because leftist politicians refuse to institute law. At some point, the individuals who are rioting and looting have to be brought to justice. All right, so next, Governor Whitmore of Michigan, the same governor that the FBI just foiled a terror plot against, is now speaking out about the election and when the deadline for votes should be. So Governor Gretchen was quoted saying, Michigan will be able to announce results, but we are going to, we are not going to have artificial deadline, deadlines set by, you know, people with political agendas, end quote. Uh, Gretchen, aren't you a politician with, um, you know, a political agenda? I feel that's a bit hypocritical for you to say seeing that you also have a political agenda. She goes on to state that she refuses to put a time on it, quoting, I'm not going to put a number on it, but we're going to get it right. This is absolutely and incredibly dangerous, and it's a tactic that the left has been gearing up for. So over the past several months, we've seen them begin to set the stage to be able to elongate the election in hopes of obtaining more votes. Mail-in voting, and absentee ballots being sent out unsolicited. The idea that we may not get the results of the election on November 3rd because of all these things. 
So not giving a deadline for when the votes are due, what are you going to do? Allow them to continue to vote up until inauguration, inauguration day? This is a ridiculous tactic. One that's already been brought into question. The absentee ballots being sent to the wrong people in Ohio. The ballots found in the trash can with Trump's name on it that were military ballots being sent in. This is setting the stage for a very, very dangerous time in our country as the election continues to move forward. How are we going to say who won the election when you have governors refusing to put deadlines on when votes are going to be due? All right. On to the big news of the day, Amy Coney Barrett's Senate hearing. So after Barrett was sworn in and she delivered her opening statements, she speaks about her family and then how she got into law, her, her background, and a short biography about her. After watching and listening to Barrett's opening statements, there are two clips that I think show not only the caliber of person that she is, but exactly what the United States Supreme Court needs at this time. Here is Amy Coney Barrett speaking about a court's responsibility and what, as Americans, we should expect from them. Courts have a vital responsibility to the rule of law, which is critical to a free society. But courts are not designed to solve every problem or right every wrong in our public life. The policy decisions and value judgments of government must be made by the political branches, elected by and accountable to the people. The public should not expect courts to do so, and courts should not try. This is 100% fact. Supreme Court justices are nominated by politicians and are not accountable to the people. Therefore, not every issue in America needs to be handled by the courts. They should not be legislating laws as they are not accountable to the people. The idea that the Supreme Court can legislate laws when it wants is a threat to the Constitution and a threat to our Republic. So the second quote is very similar to the first in that she states, well, Amy, Amy Coney Barrett states, I believe Americans of all backgrounds deserve an independent Supreme Court that interprets our Constitution. Here she is. I chose to accept the nomination because I believe deeply in the rule of law and the place of the Supreme Court in our nation. I believe Americans of all backgrounds deserve an independent Supreme Court that interprets our Constitution and laws as they are written. And I believe I can serve my country by playing that role. So what we just heard is so true. The Supreme Court is supposed to be equal yet independent to the, to the Congress. And in the recent decades, Democrats have tried to use the Supreme Court as an extension of their legislative branch when they were unable to push through legislature that they wanted. The Supreme Court is meant to be separate. And since the strike down of the Judiciary Act of 1789 and 1803, that provided the Supreme Court with this responsibility of judicial review, which they look at the constitutionality of legislation, not write their own. They're supposed to review legislation and review laws and court cases for the constitutionality of them and to interpret the constitution for applicable laws. It is so frustrating 
to see members of Congress try to abuse the power of the government for their own gain. The checks and balances that are present in the Constitution are there for a reason. The fact that they cannot get their way, that they are willing to dismantle every institution, framework, and structure in order to get what they want is dangerous and is downright un-American. The fact that they no longer believe in the American government and that the government is the only obstacle standing in the way of the Democrats' conquest for power. So, looking at it, what do the Democrats, what are the Democrats' real issue with it, with Amy? They're going to attack her character, her values, her Catholic faith, what she believes for women, the fact that she went to an all-women's school. Those are going to be the things that they're going to hone in on. But that's not their real problem. Their real problem is her, obviously, her conservative views and their fear that the legislation that has been passed by the Supreme Court in the past will be overturned. They are afraid that they will no longer have that extension of legislature to ram through the laws that they want when they can't get enough votes in Congress and it doesn't pass the Senate. Checks and balances were created for a reason. When the executive branch becomes too ambitious, the legislative branch checks it with cutting its funding. When the legislative branch becomes too ambitious and their conquest for power becomes too much, the executive branch can veto it. When both of them become out of control, it is the Supreme Court's job to check that and put it back into balance, not help the legislative branch become too powerful and ram through laws that they want. That is the true problem that the Democrats have. They're not going to tell you that. They're not going to be honest to the American people. They are not going to be honest to themselves because they know that losing the Supreme Court to a conservative majority, they lose that extension of their legislative arm. So with that being said, the Democrats are losing it over it. Senator Amy Klobuchar, the joke that she is, spoke at the hearing. And I'll tell you, it was rough. It was rough watching the fakeness of her and the hypocrisy and her trying to keep her composure while speaking. Once again, she speaks of a common talking point and rallying cry for the Democrats and that being of the late Ruth Bader Ginsburg and what she did for America. We all know what she did. Everyone is aware of the monumental icon that she became in our society. But I was not sure if I was watching statements to the Judiciary Committee or an RBG eulogy. Here's Amy Klobuchar. This is a judgeship that was held by an icon who voted to protect your health care. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, a woman who never took no for an answer. When they told her a girl shouldn't go to law school, she graduated first in her class. And when they told her a man should argue landmark equal protection cases, because maybe they'd have a better chance of winning, she did it herself and she won. She never gave up. She had her own hashtag well into her 80s, the notorious RBG. And her last fervent wish was that a new president, the winner of this election, would pick her replacement. Um, this is not a monarchy. You don't get to choose your replacement. You don't get to say, well, 
I know the Supreme Court says this, but I want this next sitting president to decide who has my seat. The Constitution clearly states and outlines in Article 2, Section 2, that when a vacancy occurs in the Supreme Court, the president shall nominate a new justice. It is his constitutional duty. And for those who may not know or don't know, verbiage and wording in law is everything. And the word shall means the president does not have a choice and that he will do something. Second, Republicans hold the presidency and the Senate. There is no reason why they can't do this. Presidents sit for four years, and though it may be an election year, he's still the president until Inauguration Day. If the Democrats were in the exact same shoes that the Senate and the president are in, they would be doing the exact same thing, ramming through some party hack, some liberal judge that would continue to try to legislate laws for them. So, Klobuchar then goes on to admit, after that, that they could not stop the nomination, that they had no way to stop it, which we all knew. But what she does say is they have a secret weapon, and that the American people want law and order. Yeah, Amy, why don't you speak to those rioting and looting in Minneapolis? Please tell us how much you know about what the American people and how much they want law and order. If you want to talk about law and order, how about stopping the defund the police movement in Minneapolis? How about bringing order back to the cities that are burning? How about in your inner cities in Minnesota, you promote law and order to cut down the soaring crime rates? But here's Amy Klobuchar, Klobuchar saying how much the American people want law and order and what it means to her. But we have a secret weapon that they don't have. We have Americans who are watching, who work hard every day, believe in our country and the rule of law, whether they are Democrats, Republicans, or independents. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was Klobuchar telling us how their secret weapon is Americans that believe in the rule of law. Huh. It's very funny how the Democrats are quoting that, especially after what they've provided to their constituents inside their cities. <laughs> Give me a break. Nonetheless, Barrett has provided us with her broad thoughts on the law and what she holds important to us. And I think that many of us Americans can relate with that, that family should be above all else, and that it's not the Supreme Court's job to legislate laws, that laws don't need to decide everything for us. Like too often are we running to law enforcement, to the laws to settle petty disputes that could be done by just talking to people. But no one wants to do that. We all, regardless of your race, sex, creed, religion, deserve an independent Supreme Court that interprets the law. So over the coming days, she'll answer specific questions asked by the committee. And to be honest, I look forward to those questions. I look forward to seeing how she's going to respond to the hard questions that the Democrats on the committee are going to ask. Well, I say difficult questions, but the controversial questions that the Democrats on the committee are going to ask and what her responses to all those questions are going to be. All right, so that's it for today. Tomorrow will be an interesting day, to say the least. Like I said, Barrett will have to answer those questions to the Judiciary Committee, and we'll see... What's going on? 
with the Supreme Court and everything going on inside the committee. I was actually kind of reading here right at the very end as I was putting everything together to make this podcast and I just didn't get a lot of time to look at it, that the stock market may be closing almost 300 points higher than it has been or it's historically closing higher than it has been. So I'll have that for you tomorrow as well. I just don't want to give you any facts that are wrong and I want to ensure that I'm giving you accurate information. So with that being said, I will see you all tomorrow. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And if you don't already, follow me on Instagram, follow me on Twitter at The Conservative Voice, and I'll talk to you soon. God bless.